Unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. And please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Hello, Misfits for Life. It is I, Christopher Roush, your No Excuses Coach, back here with another episode of Raw and Unscripted with yours truly, Christopher Roush, the place where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. We're excited to be here again with you tonight, live on the airwaves, as always, Tuesday PM, Tuesdays, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, of course, and that is 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And the reason why we do that a little bit is because of the language of the show we come to you raw and unscripted and so when we first originally set up the show uh we are on episode 161 by the way so we've been doing this for a while i started this back in january of 2019 if you could believe that right after I had back surgery, or actually right before I had back surgery, I started this show back in 2019. And here we are on episode 161. We're excited to be here tonight. And uh, we're going to kick things off in just a few moments. We're waiting for our guest, truth be told. Uh, the guest knows it's supposed to be seven o'clock and for some reason is not here right now. So ladies and gentlemen, I am going to sit here and talk to you. And if I had to talk to you for the whole entire time, what's up? We got Robert in the house. Robert, says, good evening, Christopher. What's up, Robert? Believe in yourself. We're going to be talking about that tonight, just a little bit, just a little bit talking about the fact that we do have to believe in ourselves. So thank you guys for being here, whether you're live or on the replay, we appreciate you so very much and apologies. Uh, um, as you guys may know, or if you missed it last week, I am in Facebook jail once again. Uh, so yes, that's right. I have been in Facebook jail now three times. And uh, so this particular time, the first time I was hacked, the second time they didn't tell me what was up. And then the third time I kind of knew it, but based on the fact of what was going on in Texas, somebody asked on a post, they said, what would you do if law enforcement was keeping you from your son or your daughter inside the elementary school? And I said, simply, I would throat punch them and I would go in there and get my kid. Um, and then 10 minutes later, Facebook says, Hey, you can't do that. You can't, you can't say violent things here on Facebook. I mean, we could post guns, we could post ammunition, we could do all that sorts of shit. But if you threaten to punch somebody in the throat, we're going to place you in Facebook jail for another 30 days. So I'm coming to you live on my second Facebook profile because I decided I had to do that in order to keep connecting with you guys. So I know that some of you are going to be going, what the heck? So you're probably watching this on replay or listening to this on the podcast. That is what's up. Yes, uh, I currently have nearly 5,000 friends. I've been on Facebook since 2007. Those are all connections that I have vetted, um, by the way. And I probably have another... 500 to a thousand friend requests waiting. And I just go through them one at a time. And I just see, make sure you guys aren't fucked up. And when you're requesting to be my friend, you're not going to sit there and get my DMS and sit there and go, Hey, Chris, you want to get more coaching clients? Hey, Chris, you want to do this? All these people out there in social media land, even on LinkedIn lately, they're just, as soon as you accept their request, it's like, Hey, I can do this for you. And it's like, people don't even build relationships anymore. So tonight we're going to be talking about building relationships with my guest. I see him backstage right now in the green room. He's munching on some brown M&Ms and eating some lettuce flavored cookies. I don't know what we have back there. I don't even talk to the green room staff, but uh, we're going to kick things off in just a second. And, and as you know, if you guys have been following me for any length of time, look on the screen, help healhumanity.org. If you're listening to this on the podcast, you guys know I'm on the board of directors for healhealhumanity.org. And as a personal favor to me, if you get value out of this particular episode, if you get the value out of what it is that I bring every single week, whether it's here on the Raw and Scripted show or on the Unfiltered Experience, 
do me a solid, go to help heal humanity and do what you can, whether if you can, if you could donate five bucks, donate five bucks. If you could donate a little bit more, that'd be great. Do it in my honor and say, Hey, this is for kick-ass Christopher, who always brings me the, the inspiration, the motivation and gets me out of my excuses and into my results. So I would be honored if you go do that. I've been on the board of directors now for a couple of years and it's an amazing, amazing organization, really, truly dedicated to helping heal humanity. And you guys know more than ever with everything that's going on in the world today, wherever you're at on the spinning blue marble in space, um, we all have a responsibility and a part to play in the fact of what we can do for humanity. It's not the government's job. It's not the police department's job. It's not anybody else's job besides ours to go out there and be the best version of ourselves that we could possibly be a, and then B going out there and helping other people achieve that as well. Can you imagine how awesome this fucking world would be? Can you imagine how kick-ass this world would be? Will be when we decide that we're going to go out there and be the change that we bitch about. So do me a favor, go to helphealhumanity.org. Do me a solid donate. If you can't donate any money, go volunteer. There's plenty of volunteer positions that we could have you doing stuff in your local community where you don't have to go anywhere. So appreciate you guys for, um, for honoring in that. And again, good to see you, Robert. Appreciate you being here, brother. Um, do me a favor, Robert, share this out on your Facebook page because a lot of our friends are connected if you haven't done that already. Uh, and that way we can get a little bit more people here and appreciate you guys. Appreciate you for doing that. So ladies and gentlemen, tonight we're going to be talking about how, how we can crush our goals. Who out here has goals? I know I have goals. You better have goals. We all have goals. And tonight's expert is, uh, as referred to me by my coach, the great Sally Anderson, and said, you need to talk to Jake Thompson. You need to get this guy on your show. And you guys would have an awesome time talking about how it is that we can inspire and uplift everybody to go crush their goals. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Ron and Scripted Show, Mr. Jake Thompson. What's going on, Jake? Good to What's see you, man. Good to see you this evening. Good to see you. How's life for you, man? Man, it's good. I can't complain. We're finishing up May, kicking off June. It's not yet hit 100 degrees here in Texas, and so and <laughs> rocking and rolling. Dude, yeah, because yeah, you're in Austin, right? Dallas, Dallas. Dallas. So we had a nice little cool front last week where it was in the 70s. And I'm like, I'm going to take full advantage of it because it's already mid, mid-90s. I think my friends down in Austin are already well over 100, and uh, it is fast and furiously heading higher here in this state. Isn't it crazy? I mean, it's not, it's just, it seems so weird how climate change is changing here in Southern California. Normally it's over hundred degrees all the time, but actually it's been pretty decent, but yeah, I'm seeing my friends all over the place, just kind of dealing with different inclement weathers. I saw my friends in Brazil are dealing with cold fronts and rain and you know, it's causing death and the homelessness. So you got uh, India and I believe uh, a couple other places they're going through unusually hot spells. It's crazy. I mean, that's why I was saying that we all got to take our responsibility to do what we can to help one another out. So I appreciate you being here, brother, from uh, yeah. Dallas, Texas. My uh, co-host for the Ron or for the Unfiltered Experiences from Austin, and he was telling me how lately how the the heat has been. So, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I was about to say, you know, Austin though, there, there's a lot of good water. There's there's Lake Travis, LBJ. You got Lady Bird. I mean, you could spend stand up paddle boarding skiing you could be out in the water the whole time that's the beauty of austin so uh yeah, yeah it's uh it is what it is but texas is a great place to live it wouldn't be anywhere else right now no right in the center of the united states lots of stuff going on but we won't go into that um so jake thank you so much for being here and, and tonight's yeah. topic of the of the broadcast we talk about is crushing our goals and when i kind of think about my life and i think about the people that i've had on the show recently and just thinking about the world overall i think you know a lot of things have changed over the last couple of years with the with the uh onset of COVID, if you will i'm thinking back to may 2020 when things went kind of crazy what have the last two years taught you personally about your own place in the world and what has it taught you about the people in in the world that you serve 
Yeah, I think more than anything, the last couple of years have been the reminder of how much is beyond our control. You know, we love to think that we have an influence and control of so much of life just day in and day out. But really, there's a lot that goes on from COVID to shutdowns based on where you lived to politicians to you name it. There's always going to be things outside of your control. But what the last couple of years have taught me is the importance of continuing to invest in and develop the skills of controlling your controllables. I think that's more than anything what's vital because everybody's dealing with things outside of their control. Nothing hardly ever will go according to plan. Rarely are you going to set a goal and have it go 100% to plan. And so in life, how do you deal with imperfection? How do you respond to things without or outside of your control? And the better you become at that, the more effectively you can continue to move forward, maintain or rebuild momentum and ultimately crush those goals. Yeah, no, I love that. Thank you, man. When you think about back on your journey, because I had something just pop into my head, where was there a time in your life where you thought you were totally in control and then you had to learn the lesson about what it is that you just talked about, about not being in control and being in control of things that you can you can be? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm always going to probably reference back to, to March 13th, 2020, because oh. as someone who is a speaker and on the road, I'd gotten home like the day of uh, from an event, speaking at an event, watch the rest of my book of business for the year pretty much disappear. And so that was the, man, I just got momentum. We're really starting to roll and snap, it's gone. That was a big one. I've had other, just like anybody, anybody that's entrepreneurial, anybody that's chasing, not even entrepreneurial, but just chasing big goals, things outside of your comfort zone, you're always going to have those moments that are gut punches, that something is going to happen that you don't expect. In 2013, you know, we lost a ton of money betting on a few events in terms of expos when we were really just focused on the apparel space. And I remember those moments, and I mean, I still remember the feeling of leaving LA, driving toward Vegas, Sunday night, all the headlights are coming at you, you're going out into the desert of darkness, <laughs> and you just have this overwhelming feeling that you just got kicked in the face, and you don't really know what happened, and you don't know what you're going to do next. And for me in that moment, I was incredibly fortunate that I just kept recalling and replaying a conversation I'd had with a buddy like two years prior about the importance of what I was doing and why I believed in and why he believed in me. And the idea that this whole brand I've built is around competing every day, regardless of what you're facing. And so he laughs, he's like, you're your own worst accountability. Like regardless of whether this works or you have to pivot and do something else and try something else, like you're stuck with this until you die. And that's, you know, scary, but on the same time, it's the most freeing because you realize like life is going to continually punch you. You're always going to have things outside of your control. How will you continue to adjust and respond? Mm. Yeah. You know what you're talking about right there. When I think about that, I think about back in 2008, I went to a funeral for one of my coworkers back when I was in corporate and I sat there and I saw how my coworkers were eulogizing this person. I had no idea the impact that she had had all the different things that she did that she was not known for. And Jake, honestly, I sat there and I went, and I was doing big things back at that time. I was speaking, I was coaching, I was still doing my my career job. I, I just recently got my master's degree a few years earlier and just riding high and just feeling really good. But then I that in that funeral, I thought, and I was in my early 30s, and I thought, okay, if I died tomorrow, who would show up and what would they say? And for me, I sat back and I was, I swear to God, God is my witness. I was like, 
okay, probably about 10 or 15 people are going to show up. They're going to show up with Miller Genuine Draft, Jack Daniels, Bon Jovi, Motley Crue Records, and they're going to sit around and tell all the stupid shit that Chris did. Oh, remember that time Chris did that? Remember that time he passed out and we stacked food on his head? Remember that time he went and chased that girl and found out? Do you remember this? Remember this? And I thought, is that what I really want to be remembered for? You know, I've made people laugh and I made people inspired, but I thought, honestly, what do I need to do personally to change the outcomes that I'm achieving in order to have that bigger impact? And so I went home and I wrote my eulogy. I wrote my eulogy because in my mind, I was thinking, if I have a big enough why, I have a big enough how. For you thinking about that, what is like the biggest component of goal setting? Is it that? Is it having a big enough why or a big enough how? Is it is it really getting to the deeper root of the goal? What is it for you that you tell your clients? Yeah, I mean, the why, that internal fire has to be what, what starts. I mean, you've got to have enough of that because otherwise you're not going to take the steps and create the change that you want. That's the one weird part about change is we all want to see it, but we don't want to have to do it to see it. Right. And so you have to have that compelling reason to get going. I think the problem runs in is a lot of people get that compelling reason and never take that first step. Part of it because they fail to sit down and make a plan. Part of it, I think they're just overwhelmed by how much they have to do. Yeah. You think about day one of a goal, you're like, yo, I'm excited. And then you start maybe working on it a little bit and realize, oh, <laughs> it's going to take a lot longer than I thought. And they start to check out. And so that's a big piece of it is, is they're focusing on the wrong place, knowing the why, but not focusing on the finish line, focusing on the next step. And then the third piece is really the accountability. Like who's yeah. in your corner? Who's going to hold your feet to the fire just to make sure you show up and do the work? Not do you reach the goal, but did you wake up today and work on your goal for 20 or 30 minutes? Like that's the conversations that matter because a lot of our pursuits take longer than we ever anticipate them doing. Mm. So what do you tell your clients when you do that? Cause I, I, I can totally see that in my brain. Sometimes we get overwhelmed and we sit there and think, Oh my God, you know, I'll just take a bite out of that tomorrow. I'll just take a bite out of it tomorrow. What are the ways that you get your clients to, to break that big chunk down into the smaller chunks? Yeah. So the first thing we're going to talk about, obviously we start with the why, what do you want to do? Why is it important to you really pulling back the layer? So we understand more the, Hey, I just want to make a lot of money. Well, there's a million ways to make a lot of money. So let's talk about why it's important and why this specific goal in your head is so crucial to you. But then when we look at the plan, it's all reverse engineering. So to make it very simplistic, where do you want to be in five years? Is that the goal? Cool. To be there in five years, what's one thing you would have to do, we'll say in the next year. Okay. From there, what's one thing you'd have to do in the next six months to do that one thing in a year? And you start working backwards little by little to the steps. Yeah. And so that's a big piece of it is asking the question, peeling the layer and saying, how do we go to, from the finish line all the way back to the beginning? And there's going to be blank spots. And don't let that demotivate you because we're always going to have steps along the journey. We don't know until you're right there. And once you're there, you're like, okay, well, maybe this is the right next step. And so I'm going to take it and I'm going to learn or adjust. So that that's a big piece of it. The other is kind of understanding not only really the goal, but who do you want to be? And James yeah, Clear talks about this a ton in Atomic Habits of if you want to be somebody that's that's financially or we'll just say healthy. Health is one of the words that you want to live by. You want to be known as a healthy person. Well, mm -hmm. physically, what does that look like? Moving 20, 30 minutes a day. Nutritionally, what are you making sure you're doing? Drinking enough water, watching what you're eating. Mm -hmm. Financially, what are you doing? You are setting aside a little bit of money 
every day, every week, every paycheck. You're, you're smart where you're investing, you're saving. You know, relationally, how are you being uh, healthy in those relationships of dealing with emotions and communicating? And so when you look at it from that perspective of seeing this is kind of a value or theme for me, and how do I create little bitty actions every day that help me live up to that, knowing if I do that, the goal of who I want to become, who I want to be known of, will become the outcome. And so that, I mean, that obviously is a whole other rabbit hole of saying, what are your mission? Like, what are your values in life? Who do you want to be known as? What are those pillars for you that if somebody were to attend your funeral and talk at your eulogy, what do you want those three to five themes to be that everybody's going to resonate and be like, yep, that's him. That's her. That's that person. And so that's a whole other animal around the goal, because a lot of times we find that the goals we set, it's not really about the goal. It's the status you get with the goal. It's the income you get with the goal. It's how maybe other people will see you in that or you telling yourself like I could do everything that they said I couldn't. Like there's always more to most of our goals. And so when you start to understand what someone's values they want to have and where some of those goals are, well then you can start identifying not only the the reverse engineer plan for this specific goal, but then creating and identifying what are the values that person wants to live by and creating small little action steps on the daily that help them further and further become that person. Mm, I love that. I love that. And something you brought up in there, I want to highlight the fact that you were talking about basically your team and your accountability partners. How important is that? I mean, when you sit there and I say, you know, hey, Jake, I'm going to go out there and change the world. I'm going to make massive impressions. I'm going to go out there and speak to a million people. I'm going to do a and my friends go, Chris, what are you crazy? You can't do that. You know, stay in your lane, do all these things. What do you say to, to your clients who run across those negative naysayers who don't want you to out be successful than them? They want you to stay sane and certain and stay in your own little bubble because it's good for them. What do you tell those people? Yeah, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, according Covey. to Jim Rohn. And oh, so, and Covey, yeah. Yeah, or Covey too as well. And so that uh, that's big. Dr. David McClellan from Harvard. Um, Social psychologist talks about that he estimates 95% of our successes and failures in life can be attributed to the people we habitually hang out with. And so being intentional with really the closest three to five people we spend the most time with is incredibly important. And I'm going to preface that with if there are people that always say yes, and you're amazing, and yeah, you're rock, go after everything they may be more of a red flag than you think. And and the reason being is a really good trusted advisor and friend is going to encourage you, but they're also going to challenge you. They're going to ask you really tough. If you're talking about, oh, I'm going to go do this, they're going to ask you tough questions. Okay, cool. What's your game plan for financially? How are you going to take care of your family while you make this transition? Um, What skill set makes you think you can do that? Or how do you plan to build the right skills? Like they're going to press and make you uncomfortable because they're not doing it for them. They're doing it because they're looking out for you. And those are really the most important. The second is really surrounding yourself from a counsel standpoint of going after and talking to people doing the thing you're doing. Yeah, it's no problem to have some incredible buddies you go have beers with and hang out and watch basketball or football like great. But if those buddies hate their jobs, their marriages suck, you know, they're miserable with what they do, kids drive them crazy, they're probably not the guys you should go talk to and ask for marriage advice or what to do in your career if you're thinking about starting a side hustle and and they're going to talk you out of it because they've never done that and talked about it. 
why would you go to them for advice and counsel? And so it's being intentional, not only with who you spend the most time with, but where you go to seek wisdom and counsel as well. Because otherwise you're setting yourself up to fail because you're gonna try to do it all by yourself. And that's really difficult because we all have those days where we need that accountability. We need that person to pick us up as much as sometimes we need that person to push down on us to see how bad we want it. And if we're willing to really work through that process to go get it. Ooh, so tell me about a time in your life where you had to experience that, where you, where you were, you were experiencing failure or letdown disappointment, and you were able to either lean on some friends or you had to go through that process yourself to recognize that you needed to have that team and you didn't. Yeah. So, you know, the first, we'll say four or five ish years of starting my business, I didn't really have anybody to lean on from like a mentor standpoint or a coach standpoint. You know, when I started, it was solely, we were focused on the apparel space and nobody wanted to talk to anybody else coming in the space. Cause they're like, I don't want to help somebody that could be a competitor. What's funny about that is I had to lean on friends that were in other industries, people that had started businesses in a different space and just try to learn that process from them. And it's very isolating and it's very lonely and you make a ton of mistakes. Granted, I was, I'm always been, I've always been very intentional with who I hang out with socially. Um, so certain friends at the gym, certain friends at work, like those people I could always go to for, to ask the tough questions, to make sure I wasn't getting out. Like they would help me with that, but they would never help me with the actual very specific tactical type stuff of like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Right. When I started switching and doing more of, of speaking and coaching, that changed because I found a lot of people with that abundant mindset that were like, let us help you. Like we see what you're about. You've got a passion to help others. Um, we feel like you're very authentic. Like let's, we're going to pour into you. And I've never forgotten that. In fact, one of my early mentors that she mentored me for years, she's now one of my coaches and I pay her for it. And I pay a great amount every month to, to work through issues and challenges with her in the business. But we built that relationship because she was willing to mentor me and I would go to her for counsel. And so I have three to four people in the speaking coaching space that have done it that I go straight to if I have specific questions. Hey, never had this happen before. Not sure how to handle this situation. What are your thoughts on this? Would you watch this and give me some honest feedback? Uh, because everybody wants to give feedback to the speaker when they leave the stage. But I'm very intentional with who I receive feedback from because right. I don't want to get something in my head from someone that, that doesn't understand the process or the role of the story and all that. So those kind of two dichotomies of, of how different the experiences were very lonely to now very much in community have been there, but I've always tried to be really intentional from a lifestyle standpoint, who I hang out with and associate with just from, I know the roller coaster of going after big goals and things can be emotionally and mentally. And if you're always surrounding with yes people that are gonna make you feel good, they're gonna really leave you hollow in the end because they're gonna tell you what is gonna keep them around, what, what makes you feel good so you wanna hang out with them. The real friends are the ones that are like, let's go get a beer, let's go get a whiskey, and we're gonna have a really tough conversation that you need to hear. Yeah. Um, but we're gonna talk through it and work through it because I have your best interest at heart. It's not about me telling you something that, to make me feel better, it's about me sharing some stuff with you and encouraging you with truth, and that may not feel good in the moment. Mm, dude, that's so true. I'm so glad you said that because so many people sit there and want to surround themselves with those yes people. And I realized this back in my mid thirties, I was really super successful. I was the smartest guy in the room and I was like, yeah, I made it, man. I'm smart. And everybody's coming to me and all these other things. And Chris, you rock. You're so awesome. Da, da, da. But I wasn't getting better. 
I was staying right there. And I was like, looking back on my life, I journal all the time. And so a few years later, I was journaling and I'm like, I've pretty much stayed the same for the last three or four years. What is it that I need to switch out that would potentially make me a little bit better? Da, 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 da. And I started thinking about it. And so I had my coach at the time and she was saying, you need to have a team. And I said, a team, you know, I'm, I'm a solopreneur, you know, I'm just doing this by my, she goes, no, you need somebody you trust, somebody who empowers you, somebody who holds you accountable and somebody who's your mentor. And they can't be the same person. And at that point I was a total lone wolf. I was like, huh? What? Why do I need all those people? Well, you need those people because like exactly what you just said, Jake, to be honest with you, to sit there and give you that feedback. And so often we don't want to hear that feedback. We don't want to hear the negativity. We want to hear the positivity. We want to hear all the great things. But the, but the truth of the fact is, is once we get real with ourselves and we have people like yourselves or myself, we have key people in our lives who are willing to have that conversation with us. Those are the people we need the most right? We need the most people in there. But I think about sometimes that, that, that so often we're afraid to go forward. We're afraid of the fear. We're afraid of the rejection. We're afraid of the mistakes. We're afraid of the failure. What are your thoughts on people watching this and listening to this right now to get them out of that space? I mean, I've got 20 million things in my brain, but I, you're the expert tonight. So I want to hear what you have to say to get people over that. I would say <laughs> I'm going to bust, bust everyone's bubble and, and let you know there's actually not a way to be fearless. Like fear is always going to be a part of life. And I think the important thing is understanding that yeah. because real, the challenge is how do we change and really adjust our relationship with fear, which means being aware of it in the moment, which means understanding that when we feel the discomfort, it's to ask, start asking ourselves questions. Why am I feeling uncomfortable right now? Well, you're scared if you walk across the bar and you ask that person out that they're going to say no. Why does that worry you? Well, because nobody wants to be rejected. It's a, it's a deep human feeling. We want to be a part of something. Okay, so what happens if that person says yes? Well, that would be amazing. I get to know them. Okay, cool. So let's let's work through this. Worst that happens, somebody says no. So what? Somebody, you're in sales. People say no to you every single day. You don't take it personally because you're looking at they're saying no to the product. All this person is is saying no to something they have no idea about. Okay, so let's start to work and change that dynamic. There's a there's a really cool documentary called Free Solo. If you've seen it, oh Alex, yeah, 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 yeah Alex Honlon uh, climbing the face wall at Yosemite yep. uh, without wires or oh. anything, free free climbing. And the cool thing about Alex's career is these researchers and scientists believed that his brain, that something was wrong with his brain. Like his brain did not process <laughs> fear. There was a, there was like a chemical issue. Like they're like, oh, his brain just doesn't read fear like everybody else. So they put him through a battery of tests. And what did the test show? He processes fear just like every other person in the world. What makes him different is he's put himself in these situations so many times he can recognize when he's starting to become afraid and change his focus. Okay, what does my next grip need to be? How do I start to control my breathing? Like he has a process because he's done that. He's made himself uncomfortable. The more he's done it, the better he's become equipped to respond to it. Same with anything else. Nasty, tough workouts. They make you uncomfortable. They suck. You're sweating. You feel awful. You hear the voice inside. You're going to die if you don't slow down. Your lungs are burning. Your legs are burning. When you finish, what do you know? You start to feel good and you understand, I got better today. It wasn't fun, but I got better. That's working out, intentionally making yourself uncomfortable to get better. Same applies to life. Unless we're intentionally making ourselves uncomfortable on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, 
we're not getting better because all we're doing is staying within our comfort zone. And, and our comfort zone doesn't really stay the same. The more we stay in it, the smaller it gets. It starts to shrink on us. It's a slow fade. However, the more we become comfortable kind of starting to face our fears, talking to somebody at a coffee shop for no other reason than just striking up a conversation with the person sitting next to you. Or if you're at the airport and you're sitting at the bar waiting on your flight, just saying hi and talking to people next to them. Not with any romantic uh, intentions, not with business intentions, but just having a human interaction with a stranger, which is terrifying for a lot of people. Most people are afraid of, of speaking in public. The old Jerry Seinfeld joke is uh, 90, what, 98% of people are afraid of public speaking. It's like the number one fear. More people at a funeral would rather be in the casket yep. than give the eulogy. That's the Seinfeld joke. And so what I love about that is you're afraid of something cool. Give a presentation to like three coworkers. Then from there, let's, let's work on presentation for the team. Then to a client. Like little by little, you start to do just like Alex Honnold did climbing of work that process where you become more comfortable with the uncomfortable and, and you're still going to feel the feeling. You still have the fear and everything in your stomach, but you become a little more accustomed to it and learn how to respond to it. And I guess the last piece I would really say when uh, talking to people about dealing with fear that I think is the most important is fear talks us out of going after things we want in life every day. It, it'll disguise itself as fear of other people's opinion, fear of discomfort in your stomach, fear of, of change, whatever it is. And at the end of the day, when all is said and done in life, the burden of regret for not going after the things you want is always yeah. going to be an anchor and far heavier than simply dealing with failure. I'll fail. I'll go after something. I'll try something that doesn't work. But if I ask myself, like, what if I'd gone after it? What if I'd tried? That eats at me. And that's heavy. And a lot of us are carrying around the burden of regret of what if I'd tried something because we let fear talk it talk us out of it versus just saying, you know what? I am scared to death, uh, but I'm going to give it a shot because I don't want to be asking what if later. Mm, dude, if you've seen my social media posts, you know I always put hashtag no regrets because even for me as a no excuses coach, I'm like, what is my leverage? And we're going to talk about that in a second, but we have somebody from LinkedIn. I can't tell who it is. It says, Jake and Chris, how do you prepare for a very hard conversation with a close friend? We were just talking about hard conversations. What are your thoughts? Thank you, LinkedIn user. I'm sorry. I don't know who it is, but uh, appreciate you asking the question. Yeah. So one of the ways I would set that up is how good of a friend and how much trust have you built with them? Because having a tough conversation requires a level of trust and vulnerability with them because yeah. they may reject what you have to say and you have to be okay with that. Um, but they also, if you've built the right relationship, you need to understand and, and they need to understand where you're coming from. One of the things I love to do around feedback is not make it personal, but talk yeah. about actions. So it's not you messed up. I'm pissed that you did this. It's, hey, this happened. You made this choice. Let's talk about why you made this choice. And I don't feel like it's the best movement or the best decision in that. And here's why. And start to talk about it versus you. And it's no different, honestly, than having a tough conversation in the workplace when you're having to give feedback. Talking about this on paper versus you changes the dynamic and makes the person feel less defensive in the mm -hmm. moment because we're not attacking. We're trying to say, hey, let's co-create a solution to this. So that's one. Um, establishing, hopefully the relationship has been established before you have a tough conversation. Um, trust and, and accountability is something you have to earn through building in that relationship and them understanding you have their best interest at heart. 
And coming at a tough conversation, it, it's got to be about them. Every one of us in, in this world cares about us more than anybody else. And so when we're having a tough conversation about the way somebody's acting, um, the way somebody's behaving, what they're doing, we need to appeal to them of, of why it's impactful on their life and really where the negative influence or outcomes could continue. Here's why we're caring about you to tell you this. And even just being vulnerable to say, hey, listen, I'm scared to death to have this conversation with you because I don't know how you're going to respond. And Love so it. being vulnerable in that moment to them of letting them know, like, I'm afraid in this moment to share this, but... I love you and I care about an, enough about you as a human that I feel like it's important we have this conversation. And so that whole piece, it, it's just Brene Brown and all of her work is incredibly crucial yeah. around this of just being open, being vulnerable and being willing to almost get hurt as you're having to deliver hard news to someone. Mm, I love that, Jake. And it's uh, it's Ashley. Yes. Up, Ashley, Ashley, our dear friend, beautiful soul. And the only thing I would add to that, I think that's awesome. I think for me, what I've learned, especially in the corporate space, is really reading that person's body language. You know, like when I've sat there and I thought about having challenging conversations with people, before I, I, I saw that, I would sit there and say, okay, listen, I'm going to have this conversation right now. But now what I've done is I've asked people, is now a good time? I need, are you open to some constructive feedback? I don't say criticism. Are you open to some constructive feedback and is now a good time? So I want to make sure that based on whatever their body language is, if they sit there and say, yeah, sure, it's fine. No, 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 no I could, I could, I could, you know what, let me actually, I want to make sure that this is a win-win conversation for us both. So I want to get, I want to carefully consider this. Are you open tomorrow for, at two o'clock? And then just like really reading that because if somebody's in a defensive mode already, they've already had a shitty day. And then we sit there and come on, they're like, okay, I'm going to handle this. But then there's the whole time they're just going blah, 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 blah in their brain, asking if they're open to constructive feedback. Number one, I found, and now is, is now a good time. Cause I've yeah. asked people like, is now a good time? Like, sure, sure, sure. I'm like to talk about something challenging. Yeah. I'm like, you sure you don't want to wait until tomorrow when it might be a little bit easier when you had a better day. You know what? Let's do that. And so now they've already pre-framed in their whole brain, yeah. like tomorrow we're going to have this conversation. I'm going to be open and fair with this because I said right now wasn't a good time. So now I better be ready in that, in that time. And I'll double check with them again, just to make sure that that's the case. And I've had way more successful negotiations or, or situations like, you know, talking with my staff or talking with a coworker who was pissing me off. I've had way better receptivity and being able to do that. And then they come back at me and say, wow, Chris, thank you for making sure that it was good with me. Because most people just come up to me and say, I want to tell you something and they want to vent, but you came at it from a collaboration. So Ashley, that's uh, one of the great things that I would add to that as well. And thank you for that, Jake, because so many different times in our life, whether it's our personal families, our friendships, or our coworkers, or our business partners, or people we negotiate with, we always got to have those challenging conversations. And the better we pre-frame that and give them an opportunity to be receptive, the more successful it'll be. Absolutely. You said something before, and when I think about goals, and I think about the things that I hear from my client, my clients. One of them is, Chris, I did the best I could. And I just sit there and I go, our best. And for me personally, Jake, this was probably, let's see, what are we, 2022? So probably about 2016, I came back and I was, you know, I was doing the corporate gig, super successful at it, writing, speaking, coaching, doing all that. And I was putting my keys up on my, my dresser one night, and I was like thinking about my day and thinking about, and I'm like, and it was, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I said, oh, I did the best I could. And I actually said it out loud. I said, well, I did the best I could. And I actually went, did you? Did you, Chris? Did you really do the best you could? And so for me, Jake, I became like infatuated with what is my best? Like really, what is my best? And for me, I have to go to a dark place to think about my best. There was a particular point in my life where I was trying to raise funds for something. And I sat there and I was like, okay, 
uh, if I could raise $10,000 in a month then I, for this project, then I'm going to be set. And when I sat there and I, I started going after it, I wasn't being successful. And I started self-sabotaging based on the fact that I wasn't being successful. So I sat there and I said, okay, I'm trying to raise money for this. How would I do it differently? What would give me a better sense of my best? And so I went to a dark place thinking about my son. I was like, you know what? If somebody came to me and said, I'm going to kill your son in 10 days, if you don't give me $10,000 and it can't be illegal, immoral, or unethical. And I thought, would I be able to, would I be able to do that in 10 days? Absolutely. I would go out there and bust my ass for it. Talk to us about how we can get people inspired about doing their best. I mean, that was a dark way to do it. But for me, I have weird things that I do with my, with my clients that get them to kind of think about that yeah. and doing their best. How is, how do you define your best and how do you get your clients to go after that? Yeah, I think a lot of times we use the, I just did my best as an excuse that yep. we just did what was comfortable. Yep. And I, I went on a rant a while back in, in a podcast episode. And, and when you're talking to people, you're always encouraging them to, the, to be in the moment to be the best. Your kids, you know, did you give your best? And, and asking those questions is, is a big deal because it's one thing to become the best, to be the top 1% in the world. That, that is very rare error. But what are you honestly and intentionally doing every single day to get there? Because if you strive after that level of target, you're going to become your best in the process. Now, you mm -hmm. haven't set that standard that if I'm not the 1% in the world, then I'm a complete failure. But you're using that as the aspirational goal that you're constantly going to strive for of you finish the day, man, I had a, I, I did really good today. Did I do my best? Think that, yeah, I could have been more effective with my time here. There you find those opportunities say, okay, cool. If I did that, how am I going to improve tomorrow? And that, that just ties into my whole philosophy of 1% of better every day, competing every day against who you were. So that is so incredibly important. But when we're talking about people to, to really doing the best and their best, I think a lot of times it's a lack of self-awareness. And really from a coaching perspective, it's asking the right questions to continue to get clients to chew on it and just start to be honest with themselves. Like, was that the absolute best you could have done in that moment? Maybe. Or if you had a do-over, what would you do? Sitting back now from a self-awareness standpoint, where mm. would you do things differently? Love now, it. maybe in that moment, that was your best because you were very uh, reactive versus responsive. You, you just gut check, made a quick move versus being intentional with how you responded. But day's not over. Let's look at it. If we're going to get better, if we're going to become our best and the best, we have to reflect back on where we misstepped and learn on how we're going to grow and improve. And so that one piece, watching the game tape is what I would call it in sports. You'd finish the game and, and Saturday mornings after Friday night games, you'd watch film. What'd you do well? What do you need to do better at? And you'd go through every mistake. You'd go through the good, say, okay, keep doing that. You'd go through the bad and say, okay, I need to get better in here. And here's why I need to get better. And here's why I, I need to learn about that situation. Most of us are in too much of a rush every single day that we don't take time to reflect where we want to improve. And so because we don't ever reflect on where we want to improve, we just default to it was just my best. And it may have been your best in that moment, but it's not your ultimate best because your true potential is still out of reach, but you have to take the time to reflect, to build your self-awareness, and then put the new knowledge into practice to become your best. Mm, I love that. And, and, and dovetailing on what you just said, 
the other aspect that I would, I would, I would bring into that is back to what you said before about comfort zone. When I think about, you know, did I do my best? Did I get out of my comfort zone? And so one thing that I challenged myself for many, many years, I haven't done it as well in the last three years, but I would sit there and challenge myself every single week to do something that got me out of my comfort zone. Yep. Just as a way, okay, what am I going to do this week to go get me out of my comfort zone? If it was a networking event, you know, we love networking for the results, but we don't necessarily like networking like, oh, hi, Jake, my name's Chris. What do you like to do? What do you, you know, that whole bullshit. Oh, yes. But I would sit there, but I would sit there and I'd be like, before I go into a networking event, because for years I was going to them all the time, is I would sit there and say, okay, how can I create a little bit of a different uh, situation for those that I'm going to come in contact with today? What can I do a little bit differently about my approach that might be a little uncomfortable for me, but might get some attention? So I will sit there and go, okay, I'm going to walk up to 10 people in there and introduce myself and say, you know, hi, my name's Chris. You know, I love to bungee jump. Uh, what's the scariest thing you've ever done in your life? You know, coming up with some sort of different, unique kind of question. And I found that those networking events were the best because yep. I challenged myself. It was creative and people dug that because they're all doing the same shit. So I was like finding myself would be able to do that. You said something else before. Um, you said excuses. I'm the no excuses coach. Yep. And so when I think about, you know, excuse, I did the best I could. What are some of the common excuses that you hear from your clients and what are some of the ways you suggest for them to overcome or change their perspective about that excuse? I, I probably say I don't get too many from them because they'll know I'll, I'll call them out. Uh, <laughs> nice, <good job. laughs> uh, no, and, and I think, you know, it's funny. A lot of the folks I've been very fortunate to, to work with, I don't get too many of the excuses and on occasion I will and, and we'll call it out because they understand they're making the investment to get past it. And so they're going to be honest and I'm just going to ask questions to where they, they get a better feel for it. Um, you know, where I hear most often on the, the question or the excuse side, there's really a few. I don't have the time. That's kind of the number one. I don't have the mm -hmm. time to get in shape. I don't have the time to meal prep. I don't have the time to work on my goals. I, you know, you just don't know my schedule. Then and you I go, get it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we all, but I mean, I could also laugh. Like you could tell me you don't have time, but you could already tell me on, what is this Tuesday night? You already watched the entire Netflix newest oh, yeah. season of stranger things. Like, yeah. I'm like, just give me 20 minutes, 20 minutes every day. And your goal is a big deal. Like that's a, that's no question. So the, I don't have time. And then the, I don't have enough time. And that's the one I really think is the easiest one for us to use because it's the idea of I've only got 15 minutes. I can't get all of it done in 15 minutes. So I'm not even going to start. I'm going to scroll Facebook. I'm going to do this. I, I I've only got 25 minutes. I can't make it to the gym and get a workout and come home. By the time I get there and walk in, it's time to turn around and come back. And what we do is we justify the lack of action because of what we don't have. And when yeah. we do, we waste the opportunities of what we do have. And 20 minutes, cool, you can't get to the gym, you can go in the garage and do a bunch of burpees and air squats. Or if you got some, you know, milk jugs, you can do some rows or curls. Like there's a million things you can do in 20 minutes in your oh, garage yeah. for a quick workout. But we don't work out because like, oh, I only had 20 minutes, can't get to the gym. And so we get into the habit of using what we can't do or what we don't do and prevent us from using what we can. And, and this was most prevalent for me and actually jammed on in a while on my podcast was when I tore my Achilles back in 2017 mm. because injuries, ah, tickle. Oh, it's awful. Uh, injuries are always, I mean, physical, there's always a big piece, but the mental side of recovering from an injury, I feel is always the hardest Yeah. because torn Achilles, I can't run, can't squat, can't do a whole lot. 
so I would go to the gym and I would be kind of off in the corner from the class and just doing some stuff. But the voices in my head and the excuses were like, aren't you tired of doing shoulders every day? Like just don't do something or don't do pull-ups or like it was everything I can't do. And I'm like, oh, I can still move some. Why don't I use that? Why don't I take advantage of what I can do? You may be in an internship or you're new to a company and you're not in the position you want. If you allow that to dictate what your effort, your actions, your attitude are, you're never going to get in the position you want. And so the excuse that I think is most common and it's, it's rarely seen as an excuse is the I don't have it because not that just I don't have time, but we just focus on what we don't have versus saying, okay, what do I have? What's still in my control and how can I make the most of it? Mm, that is so true. Focusing on what we don't have, the scarcity mindset and finding out that the RAS system, the reticular activation system will go find more of that, which we don't have. When, as you were talking, Jake, I was sitting there thinking about some of the clients that I've had and, and thinking about my own past situations where I was immobilized by thinking about things had to be perfect. So what are your thoughts about, about that? I can only, I can already surmise what it might be, but when, when that people have that perfectionistic, here's the picture in my head of how it's gotta be. And then if they can't achieve that picture that they take literally no action, but they have those excuses. What about, you know, imperfect action and things of that nature? How do you recommend for your, your clients to get past that? Okay. I gotta be perfect because that's what I've always been in my entire life. Yeah. Life and success in life is not about perfection, but how you can deal with imperfection, how quickly and effectively you can respond to it. In a sports sense, you're going to miss a pass. You're going to miss a shot. You're going to have a mistake. Every golfer, even in their greatest tournament in the history of their career has had a bad shot at some point. They've just recovered. They've said that shot's done. It's got a life. It's got a death. It's over and on to the next one. Too often we let the idea of perfection, a perfect time, a perfect day, a perfect situation become our excuse to procrastinate doing the work. And part of that is because we've manufactured this idea in our head of what it's quote supposed to be like. Part of it's we've gotten tricked into what we see on social media, but more and more in reality, it's just what it is. It's an excuse because we don't want to be seen as doing anything that doesn't look perfect and flawless. And what we fail to realize is the start of anything is imperfect and full of flaws. Anything. The, the one, I feel like the one and only career where that's actually on full display is stand up comedy. You don't get good at comedy unless you're on stage telling jokes in front of people. And every comedian, regardless of how big and famous they are, has had a bomb night. And it is a night where they've gone up and nothing's worked. If they're really good, it may not have happened in decades, but they've had that night. And because they're one of the few fields where you just have to get up and practice and you got to go back on stage and say, okay, Mm -hmm. 10 jokes sucked, but one was good. I'm going to keep that one. Let me rewrite the other 10 and figure out how we build on it. Like you just go through that process. 99% of us get to go through that process in private. We get to build our skills. We get to write our blog and nobody's reading it. We get to work on our skills of podcasting and nobody's listening to it. We get to develop these things without the audience. Then eventually we build our skills in a way that we have the audience. So with my you know, clients, I'm like, okay, cool. So if that's what perfect looks like, what would be the, the bare minimum you would settle for? Love it. Like if it's, you know, hey, I've got to be a millionaire by the time I'm 35. Okay, cool. Let's talk about maybe some goals and ways we get there. But if you weren't a millionaire at 35, 
what would life look like? Like, are you tied up in the outcome and what's associated with the outcome? Or do you love the work and the process? And we see this a lot in sports and, and why it's so important for us as individuals to love the imperfect process and not the perfect ideal outcome is because in sports now you're seeing a lot of kids that love the outcome. They love the win. They love the awards. They love the name in the paper. They love the attention they get from fans. They love all of it. What they don't love is the practice, the work, and actually playing the game. And you see that because eventually they get to the point where they're, even though they're the most talented player on the court or on the field, they're not ever going to get to that next level and they're never going to be the best there is because they don't love the process and they're going to get beat by much, much less talented players that just love doing the work, that love playing the game, that could care less about the outcome. They just embrace the process. The beauty of that is embracing the process is what creates the, the winning outcome. So with my clients, it's getting the ideas off of the outcome and just focusing on what's the one thing in the process we can do today. If it's a podcast, Quit worrying about the perfect equipment. Pull out your phone. Let's do a voice memo. Let's record your first episode right here, right now. You yeah. can get it up on Libsyn really quick with Audacity. Boom, there we go. Right out the gate. It'll cost you five bucks and a few minutes on your iPhone. Like, let's get something out and then build on it. Because until you hit publish, until you go up and take the mic at a stand-up night, until you start doing anything, you're never going to get better at it. Because we don't just magically get better over time. We get better <laughs> through reps. So true. I was at the top of the show. I was telling people well, we're on episode 161. Like, so we've been around for a while. And actually I did the kick-ass radio show for two years before that. So people sit there and say, Oh my God, Chris, you're so awesome. You're such a great host. I'm like, you didn't see me when I first started out. I've already paid those dues. I've already yep. sat here by myself in my studio with nobody watching and nobody listening when I first started the show. And now we're in seven different countries and continuing to grow and expand all the different times. So I appreciate you saying that we're, we're getting close on time. So uh, you mentioned podcasts and I know you're an author. Talk to us about your podcast. Talk to us about your book and the inspiration for why you've done both and what you want people to get out of both of those uh, avenues of connecting with you. Yeah. So I'll tell you selfishly, the book was a funny one because my team was on me for years to write it and I kept putting it off until 2018, 2019. I lost a handful of speaking opportunities to other speakers because point blank, the event planner was like, we love you. We think your message is perfect, but we want somebody with a book. And I was like, cool, I'll see you next year. Um, so selfishly, that was kind of the book. What, what was cool about that process, though, is the book I wrote originally is not the book that I published. Hmm. I wrote about 40,000 words, scrapped almost all of them, rewrote it just because I gave a talk two, wow, three summers ago to uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters organization here in Dallas for one of their summer conferences. And I thought, awesome. kids eight to 18 and adults 30 to 60 in the room. Like I have to have something that works for both and what is it? So I just started throwing all my content on the wall and was like, if I was a 10 year old, if I could tell my 10 year old self anything, what are like eight catchphrases I would tell them that if they could remember these catchy phrases and something about it, they would have a chance to be successful. And so out of that became the book. And so the book is literally, it's called the not compete every day, the not so secret secret to winning your work in life, because the, the choices you'll read them and be like, well, that's too simple. And it is simple. The choices are simple, outworking your talent, choosing your starting lineup or your friend circle, like how that important, always doing your best, chasing the best. Like, what does that look like? Why is that so important? 
And people are like, well, yeah, that's common sense, but because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. <laughs> yeah. Simple does not mean easy. And so doing it and implementing it was so incredibly important to me because just like why I started the podcast, it's all about helping people learn to strive for their full potential instead of settling for what life gave them and getting stuck with a bag of regret. So everything is kind of around that ethos and mentality of show up and compete every day. Competing at its definition is to strive to gain or win something. And for me, it's the mentality of striving every day for excellence and my full potential to be better than I was the day before. And I'm just helping on a mission to see how many other people I can help do that so that when they get to the end of their career, the end of their life, there's not this, uh, I wish I'd tried to figure out what I was capable of. It was like, man, I had some wins. I had some losses, but I'm spent. And I did everything I could to make the most of the life I had. Mm, leave it on the floor, baby. Leave it on the floor. Blood, sweat, and tears. That's what I usually tell people. Like, how do you know you did your best? Blood, sweat, and tears. And I, to your point, Jake, I, I, I love people when they go, but Chris, it's going to be hard. And I'm like, yep. But guess what? It's going to be fucking worth it. It's going to be worth it. make you proud. Yeah, exactly. Don't you? I mean, I know for me, when I come in sliding sideways into something and like, just fuck, oh my God, I just did this, you know, and realize what a bitch it was to get through it. The sense of accomplishment, the sense of the sense of integrity and the sense of just being able to go out there and tell other people that it's possible. I mean, even to the point where I'm claustrophobic and I was in an MRI tube and I sat there and I was like literally going to freak out within two seconds of being in this. <laughs> I can't thing. They relate the, to that. They put the cage over me. And they said, listen, if you need to get out, you know, press the button. And I was in there. I had to do uh, one on my back and one on my neck. And so they said it was gonna be like 48 minutes. And I kid you not, man, I was like ready to freak out. They pulled me out after the first one. And they're like, how are you doing? And I'm like, do I really need to do the second one? <laughs> I'm like, I just barely got, I was like 25 or like the first one was like 28 minutes or something like that. And so I sat there and I was like, you know what? Let's do it. Let they, if you need to be pulled out, Chris, you can need to pull it. And I just said, okay, so how long is this next one? 23 minutes. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take my dog for a walk for 23 minutes in my brain. They stuck me back in, put the cage on there. And I immediately thought I was going to freak out. Like telling myself psychologically, like, Chris, you got this. You're just here. You're just laying in the sun, whatever. But every <laughs> nanosecond, I kid you not, Jake, every nanosecond, I was freaking out going, I got to do this to tell everybody else they can do it. I can do this because I'm going to be the no excuses guy. And then I'm going to, I'm going to get through this. And I did. And I did just for the sheer ability to tell people like in a nanosecond, even if you're so uncomfortable and you're so frightened, you could still get through that next nanosecond yep. and that next nanosecond and that next nanosecond, man, I've had a blast talking Dude, with you tonight. Yeah. I mean, this has been such a great conversation. Where can people continue the conversation with you? Easiest. So I, I hang out really in three places, competeeveryday.com, Jake A. Thompson, which is my website around speaking, find out more about my coaching programs and then Instagram. I tend to hang out there the most, Jake Thompson speaks. So come on, say hi. If anything we talked about tonight, about fear, goal setting, uh, doing your best versus the, being the best, let me know. Would love to continue the conversation. Just shoot me a note. We'll we'll jam it out. Awesome, awesome. There he goes. It's on the screen, ladies and gentlemen. We got competeeveryday.com. We got Jake A. Thompson, uh, T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N for you guys listening on the podcast and at Jake Thompson Speaks on Instagram. Man, this has been great. I appreciate you for being here. Um, I'm going to go back up here and catch this comment. Ashley said, I would also like to see you both go head to head in a workout. Not sure who has better form, maybe Jake or Chris's dog. <laughs> oh damn my dog has lousy shit he's fat he's oh yeah i'm not i'm not competing against jake man you, you look like a stud i'm like uh i'm not gonna do that 
Um, so thank you, Ashley. Thank you guys for being here. Appreciate you guys. She says, this has been so good. Robert, uh, I, I appreciate you being here, man. I'm going to go back and check out your comments. Um, so Mr. Jake, thank you for being here, my friend. I appreciate you. I look forward to more conversations with you and I'm going to place you backstage. I'm just going to close out the show for a Stay second, up. but don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. So there you have it, boys and girls, another incredible episode of the Ron and scripted show with yours truly christopher roush and pardon me while my wife tries to call me from her business trip thinking that i'm not on my show right now <laughs> so i just hung up on my wife no 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 go away i'm still doing my show so here you have it ron and scripted show for so tonight we've been talking about how to crush your goals how to have the mindset to shift your perspective about your excuses what is truly your best how can you reframe those offer opportunities to have conversations with people where you want to pour into them and give them some constructive feedback that's what we've been talking about tonight it's all about our mindset and our opportunities. Stop with the perfection. Stop with, oh, it's got to be like this and it's got to be like this and I'm afraid of that. Just go out there. Just go out there and everything, whatever it is that you could possibly do today, like Jake said, if you have 15 minutes, crush those 15 minutes. If you're trying to write a book and you say you don't have time, use digital voice recorder and have it transcribed. There's so many different things. The thing I teach people is how to be resourceful right? I don't have enough time. I don't. What is it that you can sacrifice? You can compromise? What is it that you can delegate? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we all have 24 hours in the day. You think about JLo, you think about all the different successful people. Who is your hero? Who is your mentor? And how do they do it? How did they figure it out? Because guess what, guys? You get one life. We get one life. And like Jake so eloquently brought up and the fact that I posted on all my social media, hashtag no regrets. So when you think about this, if you were to die in 10 minutes, I told you I'd go dark. If you were to die in 10 minutes, what legacy would you leave? Oh man, I wouldn't leave much. Okay. So what is it that you can do different in the next 10 minutes to change that? Who is it that you can go talk to right now? Is there somebody in your family, in your house right now that you could go tell them that you love them beyond measure, that you're so absolutely proud of them to be the best dad or be the best parent in the world, to be the best husband, to be the best wife, to be the best daughter. What is it that you can personally do and take responsibility for and accountability for to rise above everybody else so that you don't have those regrets? So you don't look back on your life and go, man, I kind of played it safe. I played it mediocre, you know? I love questions. So here's the question for you. When did it become okay to be mediocre? That's what I want you to ask yourself. When did it become okay to be lazy? When did it become okay to be complacent? When did it become okay to have stupid excuses? And then you answer yourself honestly and you go, it's never okay. So what is it that I have to do and take responsibility for in my life to change the trajectory of the things that aren't working, that are making me miserable, that are causing me to have this conversation? Nobody's gonna come save you, ladies and gentlemen. But the important factor is, like Jake said at the top of the show, it's who you surround yourself with. Who is your coach? Who is your mentor? Who are your accountability partners? Who are you reporting into? Me, I have at least four uh, mentors and four accountability partners. And I have my coach, the great Sally Anderson down in New Zealand, who I will be speaking with tomorrow. So I have lots of people around me that I can call in a moment and say, hey, listen, I'm not feeling so great. I'm having a, I'm having a down moment. You know, I need some correction. I need some course correction. What is it you could see that I could be doing differently? And you sit there and you ask those questions. But the most important part is you listen. You listen. You don't listen for the fact that you want them to tell you that you're great. You want them to say, hey, listen, Chris, here's something that you've been doing for a while. I'm glad you brought this up. Allow me an opportunity to share this with you because I want to see you greater. I want to see you better. I want to see you crush it. So making sure you have those people in your life, mandatory. Love you guys. The Ron and Scripted Show. We will be back here next Tuesday, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time live. And if you have a topic or a particular guest that you would like to see here on the show, send me a message, Christopher at ChristopherRoush.com. 
and I will be happy to uh, make that happen for you guys. I believe that's how Jake wound up on the show. So everybody is either a referral or somebody I meet. So we appreciate Ashley. She says, have a great evening. You too. Thank you, Ashley. You're so awesome. I appreciate you. And says, great show from Angel in case you can't see me. Angel, what's up, Angel? Yeah, I can't see you either. So Angel and Ashley and Robert in the house. You guys are all so freaking awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you guys. Go out there and be awesome. Take to heart what Jake and I said tonight and connect with Jake. Go connect with them. We'll see you next time here on the Ron Scripted Show. I love you guys. Peace. Peace.